Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a teaching with TBA rabbinic resident David Kaplinsky. Yeah, I'll just preface uh, our learning tonight that I thought it'd be fun in the theme of next week's Midrash tonight. I, I wasn't so inspired uh, by the next Parsha. <laughs> just, I just, it, there wasn't any of the Midrashim that really stuck out to me. So I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great if we, next week is also Purim. Why don't we focus on that? So um, we're going to take a, a Midrash from um, Esther Rabbah, from the major Midrashic uh, compilation about the book. And Sort of in a continuation of of the themes, one of the one of the things the midrash loves to do, especially when there are introductions of characters and names, is to take a look at how they're introduced and see what is in even the one line introduction of, of the said person. Um, and one of the great midrashim actually goes many directions on this, but is based on the introduction of Mordechai. Of kind of the the quintessential we and lovely Tybal's got the the Esther background on the Zoom, um, and and Esther we tend to think of as kind of the quintessential hero at least uh, at least from a from a rabbinic perspective and the story itself seems to at least lend itself somewhat that that Mordechai is one of the, one of the heroes also non male heroes, so I'm gonna pass these out and I also gave you an um, kind of bonus midrash I don't think we're gonna touch on it tonight, but uh, maybe over the course of the week or before Purim, um, take a look at the first page. We're going to start on the second page. But the first page has a, a shorter, um, nice midrash about Mordechai and about what was so great about him beyond his acts in the in the story itself. Okay, so you can see uh, the, the first page is not what we're going to focus on, but something to hold on to. We're going to start on, on page two. So if you turn your page... So the introduction of Mordechai in the book of Esther starts with Ishihudi Hayab Shushan Habira Ushmo Mordechai. Right there was a Judean man or man from Judea that was in Shushan, the the citadel, and his name was Mordechai ben Yair ben Shimi ben Kish Ishimini. Right, it says that he was the son of Yair, son of Shimi, son of Kish, a Benjaminite. Um, so. This line is going to form the basis of the next two pages of Midrash, and it's going to kind of break it one piece at a time, as we've seen in some of our other So the first one is Ish, okay? We started with Ish Yehudi, first word of the verse. What does it mean that he's introduced as Ish? Um, it, you wouldn't necessarily have to introduce him that way. Plenty of characters in the Tanakh are just introduced as their name without even saying there was a person so-and-so. So Ish, Ish teaches that Mordechai in his generation was equivalent of Moshe in his generation. As it is written about Moshe um, the, and the man, Vehaish Moshe, Vehaish Moshe Anav Meod, right? He was very humble. So about Moshe, it uses the word Ish. And so too, Ma Moshe Amad Beperetz, just as Moshe stood in the breach, whatever exactly that means, as it is written, uh, he said he would destroy them were it not for Moses, his chosen one, who stood before him in the breach. So that's um, that's Psalm 106, kind of uh, doing its own retelling of the Moses story. 
Also, Mordechai did likewise, right? It says about Mordechai, Doresh tov le'amo v'dover shalom lechol zaro. Right? He sought good for all his people and spoke peace to all, uh, all, his, um, all his descendants. Right? Ma Moshe limed Torah Yisrael. So, there's, so we, have three things, we have two things so far that are similar about him. Both were mentioned with the word ish, both Moshe and Mordechai. Both um, d- kind of stood in this moment of necessity, stood in the breach, which reminds me really of Shakespeare. Um, you know, once more unto the breach, dear friends, Henry V, um, to kind of seize the moment and to fill the void of leadership. And so when it says that Mordechai did that, it's because it, it says in, in the Megillah that he sought good for his people, right? And he was a peace. It doesn't use the word stepped into the breach, but that his actions showed that he was stepping up. He was stepping up in his time. And then the third element is teaching Torah. So it says, just as Moses taught Torah to Israel, as it is written, see, I have taught you statutes and ordinances, also, Mordechai did so, as it is written, divrei shalom v'emet, right? He, he spoke matters of peace and truth, right? So interpreting uh, Mordechai's, these words of peace and truth, what, are, what else are words of peace and truth other than Torah? And as it is written, and, oh, and, it, and it gives a um, demonstration of that from Proverbs, which says, emet kenei v'altim kor, right? Acquire truth and do not sell it. And so bringing that Proverbs thing, it's, it's, uh, it seems that in Proverbs, it's much clearer that truth means Torah, right? That you acquire truth, you acquire wisdom, you acquire Torah, and you do not sell it. So too, when it talks about Mordechai speaking matters of peace, um, it's about Torah. Okay, so what do we, what do we think so far about this, uh, about this idea of comparison of Mordechai with Moshe? What do you, one, do you buy their, um, comparison and two, what do you think the purpose of it is? Why why did Mordechai need to be compared to someone other? Than... Yes, Irv. Right. Gotcha. That's great. So Irv summed it up really nicely and brought into uh, the room what uh, what we're, a lot of us are currently thinking about about uh, President uh, Zelensky in Ukraine, who is serving as this heroic figure for our time, and so. Zelensky had his own heroes in past times, and so too when we introduce this new, newer character, Mordechai, who I think also in the in, in the book kind of represents a new era. It's not exactly what you said, but I think I'll add to that. Um, he he had to have some kind of hero to look up to too, and and Moshe is kind of that um, that and you know that 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 peak hero that he up to. Yes, yeah, good. Good. So, Tom, so Tom's uh, a little skeptical about uh, how we could take this entire drosh and hinge it on just the word ish, um, which seems like, right, an ish or isha, right? Everyone's a person, a man or a woman, you know. Um, yes, hold on one second. Yes. Yeah. Not at all. Okay, so Joel's saying that Mordechai was more the, the, the coach on the sidelines, right? The person in the game with skin in the game was Esther. Uh, she was the one who spoke up, and she was really the one who saved the day. So that Mordechai is a secondary character. It's a little unfair to just uh, be going waxing poetic just about Mordechai. Yes, Fran. Yeah, Ish Sadiq, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Right, right, exactly. Yep, it's not Ishchayil. He doesn't, you're right, so just the word, just having the word Ish to Fran seems like they could have easily added a, a descriptive uh, element to add to Ish that would align with lots of other examples where it's very clear that those people are being described as great people, but Mordechai is just Ish. Ish isn't necessarily good, bad, he's just an Okay, we're going to get there, good. Okay, wait. <laughs> Irv ran ahead and he said, wait a minute, he's defending Mordechai. We don't need to denigrate him. Um, oh, well, that's okay. A very controversial discussion happening right now <laughs> that perhaps Esther was the, was the puppet of Mordechai. He was the puppet master. Ah, it's, it's, uh, you know, we can give them both credit, but uh, very good. Taibel, did you have something you wanted to say? Um, yes, I don't know if anybody said yeah, either of these. Can you hear me? Yeah, we actually can, and strangely. Oh, enough. okay. Um, the first is that Ish, I think, doesn't necessarily mean a, it's not Ivri. It's not a Jewish man. Right. But Moshe and Mordechai could be linked because neither of them have Hebrew names. Oh. So their names become Hebrew names the same way Alexander the Great, you know, much later became a Hebrew name because it gets used. But that would be another linkage because their name, the etymology of the names are not from Hebrew. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I, I uh, right, that they, Moshe and Mordechai both have these names that are, you know, in Moshe's case, probably Egyptian, and Mordechai might be connected to Marduk, um, God. So, you know, a little, a little uncomfortable, but, uh, but you know, we we kind of see it in the name. That's a really, that's a really interesting point. Why they would specifically pull out Moshe? That might be another kind of inherent thing. I love that. Thank you. Um, all right, let's keep going. So we've kind of made this comparison, and we're not so sure 100% how we feel about just Ish. Does Ish imply Ish Gadol, Ish Gibor, Ish Chayil, whatever, all those things? Or is it just We shall see. We can make our assessment as we go. Okay, so the next element, um, they, they kind of skip Hayab B'Shushan Habira and go straight to Ushmo Mordechai. His name was Mordechai. Okay, so this is a really interesting drash. Um, it says, Harishaim kodmin lishman, that the wicked precede their names. So when the wicked are spoken of, it says, for example, Naval was his name, right? Naval Shemo, Sheva ben Bichri Shemo, Sheva ben Bichri was his name. However, the righteous, their names precede them, actually meaning that the word, his name, precedes the person. And as it says, and his name was Manoach, Ushmo Manoach, Ushmo Kish, Ushmo Shaul, Ushmo Elkanah, Ushmo Boaz, Ushmo Mordechai. Right? So it's a really interesting thing. And I mean, I'm, I wonder, I wonder if, you know, somebody who had an encyclopedic knowledge of the Bible could say, oh, but what about this person? You know, I really wondered if they were pushing it. But it is really interesting that they found two strong, um, Strong examples where somebody who's thought of as bad, at least as the, the Bible tells it, have their name actually first, as opposed to having this introduction of, and his name was such and such. Um, I also think it's really, so just, just to kind of like give you an example of who these people are uh, real quick, like Naval is this guy that wouldn't give any food to David in the wilderness when David was extorting him. I won't go there. Um, Sheva ben Bichri is, is one of the people who rebelled against David. Um, uh, Manoach 
is, uh, is, is the father of Shimshon, um, who is, I guess is thought to be good because his son Shimshon, one of the judges, uh, Samson. And his name was Kish. Kish is actually, you can see it in the introduction of Mordechai, son of Yair, son of Shimi, son of Kish. Kish is also Shaul, Saul's uh, father. Um, there's actually a really interesting literary thing about why Mordechai might be, de- why does it say Mordechai is descended from Kish and is a Benjaminite? There's kind of a linkage to Saul. Um, we can talk about that later. Yes, Joel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, it's a really good point, right? That we said kind of Shaul screwed up, made a really big screw up, a couple of really big screw ups, and the t- kingship was taken away from him uh, as, the, as the Tanakh tells it. But here we have his father as a tzaddik, um, and we have a few, you know, a few relatives of him as tzaddikim. Um, I, I think there's something really interesting about that in so much as Mordechai might be fulfilling Saul's um, lack of Saul's potential that never got completed. There's kind of some stuff in the Megillah about they didn't take the um, they didn't take the booty. They didn't take any of uh, of, the, of the stuff when the Jews fought back, and that's actually opposite to what Shaul did in the today's Haftorah, which is that he took the goats, he took the flock. So there's kind of like a fulfillment of what Shaul was supposed to be in Mordechai, which is kind of an interesting side note. It's in, it might be why they bring these things, why they bring Kish and, and all these. Uh, um, so great. Um, moving on. Uh, and his name was Mordechai Lefisha Domin Levoran. So what is, what's the significance of saying Ushmo before their name? What does that matter? Fine, it's a nice pattern. It's because they are actually similar to their creator. As it is written in Exodus, Ushmi Adonai Lonodati Lahem. So in, when, when God is introducing God's self to Moses, God says, and my name Adonai, I did not reveal to them. I revealed my name to your, an, to, uh, your ancestors by the name of El Shaddai, but I didn't reveal this yud Hey vav Hey name to them. Um, and it uses Shmi before his name. So, so there's a godliness, this introduction, uh, a comparison there, which just really brilliant and fun and specific. Um, okay. Uh, any other thoughts about that? That's just kind of a, a, um, okay. So the next element, so this is a really interesting thing because we have his introduction as, um, Ish Yehudi, but then we also have his introduction as Ish Yemini. Okay, so the, the Midrash is going to have a little trouble with that because someone who is from Judea actually is not from Benjamin. Benjamin was a tribe just slightly north of Judea. Back when there were separate kingdoms, not everything was Judea. Judea was the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom was Israel with lots of different tribes. And Benjamin was, was above Judea. So how can you be both? That's, that's the Midrashic problem. So what does it mean, Yehudi? Why do they call him Yehudi? Lamani Krashimo Yehudi. Why was he called a Judean? Was he Havalo Yeminihu? Wasn't he a Benjaminite? You can't be bold. So it says he was Yehudi Lefi Sheyiched Shemo Shalakadosh Baruch Hu Keneged Kol Ba'eolam. Because he unified the name of the Holy Blessed One um, before all creatures. Right? And this is the element this is what is written. How did he do that? He didn't bow down and he didn't prostrate himself to 
Haman. But then they say, okay, but you may have heard this before. What's wrong with bowing down to a king? Um, in, in, in halakha, you're actually supposed to show respect to uh, kings and presidents and authority figures um, for the sake of peace and because they have kind of taken a piece of, of, of God's honor and you're supposed to kind of just respect their role in your life. So why wouldn't he bow down to them? Wasn't he, was he contrary and violating the king's decree? Right? You're supposed to observe the law of the land. Rather, when Rosh commanded everyone to prostrate themselves to Haman, Haman carved an idol and set it over his heart, intending that they prostrate themselves to the idol. So the Midrash here is trying to solve a problem in the story, which is, it seems kind of weird. Like, we, we always grow up saying, oh, he didn't bow down. He wanted everybody to bow. I don't know if you um, Sorry, I had a flashback from day school. Uh, <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with it. It's, 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 it's authority figures. That, so that they say, okay, he must have not bowed down for a better reason. And the better reason was that Haman had put this idol on his heart and he was intending that it wasn't for them to bow down to him and his ego, but to really bow down to this idol um, that, that he's holding. So, I mean, this is kind of like, eh, what do you, what do you think, Fran? <laughs> Grasping. Right. Right. Stop him from doing Yeah. So that's, that's really good. So uh, Fran was saying, you know, lots of monarchs have, have items of clothing or things around their neck that we might not want to bow down to, but we still are supposed to show them some kind of respect. So this, you know, this kind of like inventing a story that's not in the text, you know, this is, this is the kind of thing that we, that when I grew up, I thought this is what Midrash was, right? You just like write stories to like fill in the gaps. But, but, you know, we've seen some of the, the other ways of, of working within the Midrash are actually like getting really specific about what's there. And this is one where we actually have a problem with behavior if we want him to be a hero because we really could just see him as being a contrarian. Like, stop causing trouble for no reason to yourself and to Jewish people. Like, don't do that. They, they, that would actually be a non-heroic thing, potentially. Um, other thoughts? Here, let's go on a little bit more and let's see... Um, so, uh, so, sorry, right? When Haman saw that Mordechai would not prostrate himself to him, he was filled with fury. Mordechai said to him, right? There is a master who exalts over all the exalted. How can I forsake him and prostrate myself to an idol? So because he unified the name of the Holy One, blessed be he, he is called Yehudi, right? Which is to say, Yehudi means Yechidi. Okay, so there's kind of two elements to that. This is an example of the fact that um, he is, he is uh, you, you know, showing the unity of God's name. Um, he is unifying the name of God through these actions of righteousness and loyalty to God so that we're reading it as that kind of unification, but we're also reading it as Yechidi, him alone did these things, right? So because he actually was the only one not bowing down, that actually shows that just because he was the only one doesn't mean he wasn't right. Um, and so before we go on, 
there's this whole midrash kind of hinges on the idea that Yehudi is anything like Yehidi or Yehid, right? But it actually we we have the difference between a hey, like a ha, huh, and a ha, huh. and we also have the difference between um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of the the main the main problem Yehudi, and also the difference between the vav and the yud. Um, I think maybe the reason they can do that is a little bit because hey and chet maybe at the time weren't pronounced as differently as they are now, um, that they're both kind of supposed to be guttural, ha, 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 different types of ha's. And so it wasn't so far flung sounding as we think. Um, and maybe also that the vav and the yud uh, weren't always so different, were sometimes kind of interchangeable like we see in the Torah Sometimes the, the, the word he for she is with a vav, uh, sometimes with a yud. So I don't know. That's, that's the best guess. But it, is, it does feel a little stretchy to us if you know some Hebrew. Um, but anyway, so, it, so we have this unification and him being singular in his actions, which, which might be seen as potentially not very heroic, but we want him to be heroic. Um, Right? There are some that say he was equivalent of Abraham in his generation. So we've already compared him to Moshe. And then we've said actually that in some way he was... Um, it's not loud. Oh, fun. So too, I guess I'm just loud. So too, Mordechai in his time, people acknowledge the greatness of the Holy One. Blessed be he. That is what is written. Many of the peoples of the land became Jews as the fear of the Jews had fallen upon them. Okay, so let's break this down. First of all, it's referencing a story about Abraham that isn't in the Torah, but is a, uh, a Midrashic story that rabbis kind of, you know, take for granted in the same way that a lot of people think the story of Abraham smashing his father's idols is in the Torah, but it's just a Midrash that really took off um, and, and so is important to a lot of people. But the idea that this was Nimrod, the king of Ur, where he was from, throwing him in the fiery furnace because he refused to acknowledge Nimrod as a god, um, and uh, and he was saved by God, and by and and not only did he do that, he he was known to be converting people, which is the interpretation of this verse, the et hanefesh asherasu v'charan, right? This is when Abraham is, is uh, on his way to, um, to Canaan, it says that he took the souls that he acquired um, in Haran, where he was previously, and the, in, midrashically that's interpreted as converts. Probably in the Peshat it meant slaves. But in the, in the Midrash, the nefesh, the souls that he made, is, you know, making souls is very, uh, you know, preacher, preacherly. Um, and so, too, it says about Mordechai that, that many of the peoples converted because when they, they fought back, the fear of the Jews had fallen upon them, when they were able to fight back against the decree. Um, and so there's this, like, in both of their times, people are embracing Judaism, perhaps for different reasons, <laughs> maybe a more friendly one for Avram, a more scary one uh, in, in the Megillah. And then it ends with... Um, he again unified the name of the Holy Blessed One uh, and sanctified it. Therefore, he is called Yehudi, as it is written, 
Ish Yehudi, do not read it as Yehudi, but rather as Yehidi. So just to kind of tie it all back together, that there are a number of different ways that he, that this Midrash is saying that he unified God's name and was loyal to God's name and showed it bef- before uh, lots of people. One of them was the not bowing down to Haman and the idea that Haman was wearing an idol. Uh, another one is that he was sort of involved in the process of showing people how great uh, Judaism is and, and making converts, even though in the context, it seems like it actually doesn't really have to do with Mordechai exactly, but maybe inadvertent, you know, maybe through some of Mordechai's efforts to get Esther to act and to tell the king, um, this allowed people to em- embrace Judaism. And that is another kind of unification of God's name when you're sharing um, you know, the good news, as it were, of, uh, of Adonai. Um, any thoughts about this, uh, this, this Midrash and, uh, and how, um, I don't know, how it, how it, it'll inform your, your Purim or, or how you might kind of push back against it? We kind of had our debate between people who were really pro-Mordechai and people who were more skeptical about Mordechai and who's the real hero. After this Midrash, does it change where you end up? You will never look at Mordechai the same again. <laughs> okay, good. So Fran says uh, he's a much more important person than he ever imagined. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Excellent. So so Fran's saying that this kind of placing him as a standout in his generation compared with Moses, compared with Abraham, uh, the only one to not bow down is really puts him in this iconoclastic category uh, in our Midrash. Awesome. There you go. I don't know if he was half joking, but <laughs> no, you're serious. Okay, good. Right. Yes. Great. So, so Brand also highlights that they're really, they want you to, to say that Mordechai deserves our attention, deserves our focus. There is something actually really great about him. Even if you, even if in the text, you don't see every single element, we want you to look, we want you to see what, what is actually good about him. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So, we, we have a few more supporters of, uh, of Mordechai and this idea that he's like really connected to some of our greatest uh, people. Yes, sir. Of course. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. Excellent. Wonderful. So Irv uh, is drawing our attention uh, both to the heroes in our story, to not just Mordechai, but to Esther, but also the fact that we have really amazing modern day heroes, uh, in this case specifically, uh, in the name of uh of Cesar Chavez, um, March 31st is a holiday named after him. So please do commemorate that and uh, do something good for your community. Yes, Fran. Yep. 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 Secretary of State or yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, um, so Fran's reminding us to, you know, again, that we don't have to pick favorites. We don't have to say only one's a hero and one's not just like we have, presidents who are great and have great cabinet members and uh and both contribute a lot to society so too we have with mordechai and esther in that mordechai you know while esther may have in some ways really pulled the trigger 
on a lot of, of important pieces of the story and deserves our attention that Mordechai did have a kind of public relations campaign or did these more public actions, um, both not both in the things mentioned in the Midrash and also in the way that he mourns upon hearing the decree uh, in public, um, that both of them were able uh, to really work together. And I do think that, uh, I also agree with Fran that, you know, we do have this, this praise heaped on Mordechai and I wasn't, I didn't, you know, go through all of uh, Esther Rabbah, but I don't think that there's actually as much of this kind of drashing about Esther and the, the discomfort with the, the female hero. We actually have to make sure that the male hero is even more heroic than, than uh, we want him to be. So we do make these connections, but, but um, you know, but also there's a possibility that it actually is there. And if, if you want to, dig into it, but there's also a good reason to be skeptical. I'll give it on both sides. Yes, Jason. Yes. Right. Yeah, good. So this can be a frame for your Megillah listening um, to, to kind of confirm or push against what, what, uh, what we've learned, um, what we might think about each of them based on this learning. Yeah, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So Tom says it'll really kind of pop and, and the, li- the, the literary arrangement of it will, um, you know, kind of, kind of show itself anew, hopefully, and give a little bit more drama. And also this line is a line that we, that traditionally the, the Kahal says before the reader, right? So this is actually a line placed in our mouths, not just in the person who's skilled to read. So um, we're kind of, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be speaking these words and uh, have some of that, some of these midrashic takes in our minds and our hearts. And uh, we'll go from there. Thank you, everybody. Always good to learn from it with you. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.